This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, presented by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Use promo code FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. Go to FetchMe.com or download the free Fetch Me app. It's fantastic. You'll get any kind of food there within 45 minutes and fast and friendly service. Zach Blackerby here with you. Michael Papps of ESPN 1067 and Painter Sharpless of ESPN 1067 all here on a game day eve. Yes. Before we get into it, uh, I'm really mad about yesterday's show. Uh, you guys did the, the quarterly update on the yes. awards. Yeah, the LOA awards. Yeah, gave no love to Jeremiah Denson. The guy has just completely led this defense. That's fair. I mean, he has been absolutely incredible for this team through three weeks. Wasn't in best player. Wasn't in most valuable player. Mm-hmm. Wasn't in breakout player. Mm-hmm. His name never got said. The yeah, whole we, we literally didn't say his word. Didn't say uh, his, his name, name one time. Yeah, right. Uh, I think he's good. Ridiculous. I think he's had a great season. I don't think he's any of the three things you just said. Oh, man. I don't think but he's the at, most valuable. I don't think he's the best. And I don't think he's breaking out. I think he's extremely valuable to Auburn. And he has had a good season. But, I mean, he's, I agree with he, he's worthy of being on the watch list through three weeks. I think you for, could argue that he should be higher up than some of the guys we did mention. Like, I, I think he should be higher up on this list than Nick Coe was. But I don't think he's a real contender for any of the if, awards. If we're talking MVP of the defense right now. It's K.J. Britt. If you're going to say K.J. how could you not say Jeremiah Dinson in the same conversation as K.J. Britt? Because I think there's more defensive backs on this team than linebackers. I mean... Yeah, I guess that's true just because they play more defensive backs. But Jeremiah Dinson leads the team in tackles, does he not? I don't think that's terribly unusual for mm-hmm. a safety to have a, a lot of tackles now. Especially in Kevin Steele's defense over the past few years. I mean, those guys rack up all kinds of stats. Now that doesn't make it less valuable. He still has to do the job and be an effective tackler. We've I don't seen think we're saying bad... that he's bad. I just no, don't think he's the best. I don't think he's the most valuable, and I don't think he's the best. Mm-hmm. I think he's extremely valuable, and if Auburn didn't have him, that would be, be significant. Yeah. And they're going to be without Smoke Monday for the first half of this game. So, uh, you know, I I understand where you're coming from, and there is a bit of an argument to make there, but I don't think that he is any of those three things you just listed. His name should have come up. I get yeah, you guys I, the I would say that is a fair point. He should have been on the watch list yesterday during the show. Yeah, I don't really know if he is the MVP. That's not really what I came here to argue about. I really mm-hmm. just felt like yesterday with all the names that got said jeremiah dinson deserved to have his name said in at least one category that's reasonable um another thing that we heard from was mccreary i don't think we Mm. said mccreary in enough categories somebody nominated him for best backup Mm -hmm. and i I think that was a pretty good argument actually i didn't even consider that because i kind of don't consider him a backup but he is a backup he doesn't start so i thought that was uh i thought that was a good one Uh, yeah absolutely is there only the only other person maybe you could say right now? Perhaps I guess. No, you can't even do that. Yeah, probably a he good said case. Bailey Sharp yesterday. Yeah, I mean, that Joey. was. Yeah, you know, I think that's a fair point. It's just that with Sharp, it's disappointing about mm-hmm. the injury, and you know, you're gonna miss half the season. That's gonna kind of kill that. Mm-hmm. McCreary was on uh, Pro Football Focus's Defensive Team of the Week. I think SEC Defensive Team of the Week. That's great. Ah, doesn't surprise me at all. Tony Perry tweeted at us, um, my very bold prediction for this week 
is that we're going to see the Tebow pop pass from Joey Gatewood, if not this week, then later this year. Uh, I said in one of the podcasts, if we do not see Gatewood do the Tebow jump pass, I'll be very disappointed. I don't know if it's this week. I do hope we see more of Joey Gatewood, though, this game and uh, throughout the year. Uh, Based on what we've heard, you know, through three weeks, right after the quarterback battle, I mean, this whole time, uh, I I think that's a fair expectation. Um, Joey Gatewood has shown that he can be an offensive weapon, and, you know, they've had time to to put in the packages, to rep it in practice, and, and... um, I I think you're right. I think we'll definitely start seeing more of Joey Gatewood moving forward. Does Joey Gatewood make the team better yes. in y'all's mind? And if so, what? How much better? I think it definitely enhances the run game. I think I think the team, whatever team it is, it embraces the mentality of what your quarterback is. And I think the more Joey Gatewood plays, the more hard nosed the offense will be. That's just my stance on it. Uh, I don't think he makes the team better, uh, but I also don't really think he makes the team worse. So uh, I think when he comes in, it should be for, for I guess, gadget-type plays for certain packages. Um, I just I, I guess I, 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 think, I think using him as a battering ram doesn't help anyone. See, I would disagree. I think that's like the one place where you can really be like, okay, the offense is better with Joey in the game when you need two yards, a one yard. That That's the only situation really where I'm like, this he makes the but offense. How can you say that, though? Because Gus is going to like wait as long as he possibly can to call a pass play with Joey but because he doesn't want him to look good throwing the football. So like, I, mean, I just don't know how you can say that. I, I just... I don't think that Joey putting him in to throw the ball makes your team better. Like, How do you know? Because he's not the starting quarterback. If he was better than Bo was at throwing the football, I would assume he would be the starting quarterback. There's no reason that – I mean, he's obviously a, an incredible runner. I mean, Bo is a, a good runner also, but you have to think that if they're the same speed, you're probably going to pick the guy who's 6'5", 250 to run the football or whatever Joey is. But with that argument, then it's like, okay, Bo Nick should only be in to pass it because he's not the better runner. No, They, they both need to do both. I, I don't disagree with that. Actually, I mean, if you want to get down... You just disagreed with me. What do you mean? Okay, whatever. Let's move on. I don't think that they should both do both. I think Bo should be the only quarterback that plays unless you need one yard. And then you should put Joey in just to dive forward over the line just from a purely height standpoint because he's longer. That's the only time I think that Joey Gatewood should ever play. Gotcha. Chase McBay says, hey, for the Locked On Auburn Awards, best backup so far without a doubt has been Roger McCreary. Maybe most important, but best uh, breakout player is uh, King Tut. I think uh, I think we mentioned Tut for breakout mm-hmm. player, didn't we? Yeah, I think we talked about both the impact he's had in the secondary and since special teams has been a little bit underwhelming this year, an area that Auburn last year was pretty good in, Tut has been a bright spot there. If you're going to the game next Saturday, if you're if you're planning on going for the, to the night game, it's a six o'clock kick. I know it's on ESPN, but if you want to be in Jordan Hare Stadium for some Saturday night. 
kickoff action for some college football. There's no other place to buy your tickets but Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats has a, a great free app. Just download the Vivid Seats app in your phone's app store and make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. It's easy to use. You can see your view of the field from where you're buying the tickets at. I just don't really know why you wouldn't want to go to this game this Saturday night because it's going to be a huge one, especially if Auburn is able to find a way to win on the road at Texas A&M. They host Mississippi State. Those tickets are going to skyrocket. So go ahead and buy your tickets now. Use Vivid Seats, promo code KICKOFF at checkout to save up to $100. You won't regret it. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, we were talking before we turned the microphones on just about how the past two weeks we've just we've just drained analysis of this game. We, I mean, there's only so like we talked about the Tulane game and then led into <laughs> the Kent State game, but we also knew that Auburn was in terms of talent so much superior to Kent State that. You wanted to see them look good because they should. Like the, the two teams don't are not playing in the same stratosphere, but because of that, I think we turned our attention a little bit prematurely to A and M. And you know, I'm curious. A lot of people really nationally seem to be pretty confident in A and M, and I think part of that's a product of it's it's at Texas A and M. I think also people are looking at a freshman quarterback and going, "How's that going to work?" But I, I'm just a little surprised at how much nationally folks are doubting Auburn. Now, some people are, are probably sitting there listening going, well, have you paid attention to the national media? I think Auburn fans generally feel like they don't get much of a benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. I like Auburn in this matchup. If they don't yeah. turn the ball over, I think that they're going to be fine. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I've heard a lot of the national media discuss this game in Texas A&M so far this season mentioning their loss to Clemson. And it's like, well, they lost to the number one team in the country. It's like, I don't think that makes you better just because you played a good team. Now, I will say, I think that one thing their defensive line did a good job of, uh, Clemson's, you know, ETN's a heck of a running back. He's a freak. Yeah. yeah, and they've got a good offensive line, and they did not push around Texas A&M's defensive line. So I expect Auburn to some extent to probably have to scheme its way past Texas A&M's defensive line. I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to run the ball super effectively. Now, we did see things get a little bit better when Bo Nix was keeping it more consistently, but I have to go back to how much of that is the competition level against Kent State. You know, So I I think Auburn's in a great position, as we've talked about really over the last two weeks, guys, that if they protect the football and their defense shows up and, and plays the way we expect, they don't need to score much more than 20 points to win. Yeah, I think if Auburn scores 21, I think they win this game. I just have a hard time seeing Mond in this offense put together over 20 points. But, you know, maybe Mond has one of the, one of those games. Maybe he I mean he's a guy that kind of randomly will play really well. Can he put it together for four straight quarter quarters and then 
you know, I wonder if if Auburn is able to put four down rushers and not have to blitz a ton, mm-hmm. like I think Texas A&M's in trouble. What did we say the over under was yesterday, Michael? Forty eight ish. I'll okay. look it up, but it may have moved along what you were saying about Kellen Mond. We kind of base all of our hype about Kellen Mond on the second half against Clemson last season, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that was the best he's ever looked. And, you know, if he has a bad game against Auburn start to finish, I, I think I'm, I'm ready to announce that he's garbage. So uh, <laughs> That was quick. Yeah. It's 47 and a half is the over. Okay. okay. All right. So it's pretty low. That is really low. So, so your argument is you say, like Kellen Mond's a little overhyped, not necessarily. Well, yes, I will say he's overhyped, but it's mm-hmm. like every year since he was since he started as a true freshman for someone. So the last two seasons, you know, there's been an expectation that he will improve, get better, and be one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. And now, especially for the back half of the season last season, and then coming into this season, he that has kind of rested on the fact that he had just an absolutely incredible second half against Clemson in week two last season. I mean, even in that seven overtime thriller against LSU, he was throwing up prayers that his wide receivers were making some absolutely amazing catches on. And so I just think maybe, uh, maybe we have a little too much faith in him. Maybe Mm. it's not overhyped, but like, the expectation that he is a good quarterback just may just be wrong. Yeah, whenever I've looked at him, I'm not convinced that he's gotten a whole lot better since his freshman year. Yeah. And also, I mean, he was recruited to play for Sumlin, like you said, when he started mm-hmm. as a freshman. He is not a Jimbo quarterback as far as his style. He wants to be in shotgun. He wants guys to be spread out wide, and he wants to kind of be able to move around. And that's not a Jimbo-style offense. I do think Mond is very good at getting outside the pocket and making something happen with his arm. He still, he still like will just leave the pocket for no reason though, which drives me crazy. And you're not going to be able to do that consistently against Auburn. And that's I, true. I, I want to point out. So he has improved for what it's worth each season, but we also have to take into account that thus far his statistics this year come in a game against Texas state. The loss and to Lamar. Clemson and yeah Lamar, so I don't want to put too much stock into that. But um, in 2017, he threw 117 passes, completed 227 for a 51 percent completion rating. The next year, 238 of 415 for 57 percent completion, and this year, 63 of 97 for a 64 percent completion rating. His his average distance of passes increased each year, and he's had. He's on pace to have more touchdowns. So, like, there, is, there has been improvement, but to, to, like, what extent is Kellen Mond carrying his team across the finish line? And this year, I believe he has five touchdowns and three interceptions, which isn't – it's not, like, beating the world, certainly. And, and that Clemson game, his numbers weren't spectacular either. 24-42, 236 yards, five and a, uh, 5.6 with a touchdown and interception. Like, so – yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he, he did he, not play as well as the statistics just made it sound. So I think it's fair to say he's statistics. he's an okay to to slightly above average quarterback with probably some good players around him and a really good coach. Yeah, 
I wonder how much that seven overtime game affected those stats because he threw an extra few touchdowns. I then, bet, right? yeah. I bet that there's yeah. probably a couple. Yeah, I bet. probably had an extra three or four that you wouldn't normally have, right? I, I don't remember the breakdown of how they scored. You know how they got into the end zone, but with seven overtimes, you have to imagine mm-hmm. he, he capitalized on that somewhere. Yeah, that was a it's wild just, game. He, so I, I don't want to discredit. Like I'm not trying to discredit him. I think he has improved, but I'm not sure that just because he's improved that it's been enough to make them a significantly better football team. I agree with what you're saying, that he is average, slightly above average quarterback. But I think coming into the season, the expectation was that he'll be the fourth best quarterback in the SEC. He said that he was the best quarterback in the SEC. Yeah, I guess most people probably have it, what, Tua, then Fromm, then Bryant? Oh, I was going to say Tua from Burrow. Yeah, I think so at this the, point you'd have to. Yeah, I think yeah. at this point you'd have to put Burrow ahead of Bryant. And so I, sure. Bryant, I think would be five, four or five, whatever in there. Sure. And so I think the expectation was that Mond would be, you know, kind of up there with that group, probably you know below the the truly elite guys and competing to be one of the better starters in the SEC. And that's just not who he is. He's average. And if he has a bad game against Auburn after the just dud he put up against Clemson. I'm ready to come in here on Monday and say, I told you guys, he's not that Kellen good. Mond is garbage. Wow. Now, if he comes out and lights the world on fire, he's going to go out to his uh, post-game presser and say, Michael is garbage. Auburn's, uh, uh, whether it's basketball, football, they like to have games where they let people set PRs. Just personal records, yeah. baby. Just You're Sometimes right. they'll still win the game, but they'll, they'll let Johnny Menzel and Mike Evans have a day. So if Mond comes out and lights the world on fire, I'm going to be sick on Monday. So just giving you guys a heads up. All of these uh, Auburn fans that are like traveling to Texas, uh, a handful of Auburn fans had their flights rerouted or flights yeah. delayed. I mean, Auburn's had bad luck with, with, with games going in Texas. Texas this year, right? That's crazy. Like, what are the odds of that? Uh, well, I mean, a lot of these storms. <laughs> you love Houston. I hate Houston. <laughs> he um, doesn't, yeah, it's one of the few things about Texas he doesn't have a lot of kind words for. I mean... And you also got on to our good friend Olin Buchanan of Texags for his take on... Uh, what was it, Torchies, and what's the other one that's so popular? Oh, Fuego? Yeah, Torchies is superior. Well, going into that interview, you're like, let me ask the first question. I'm like, okay, all right. And then when you ask the question, I'm like, I don't know what you just asked him. I assumed it was some Texas lingo. Yeah, Torchies and Fuego are uh, taco restaurants, and really in College Station, I mean, Torchies is at least a statewide chain. I don't know if they have any outside of the state. Um, and Fuego, I think, only has one location in College Station, that might be it, but that's uh the, yeah that's the big competition usually. So, um, I I was disappointed. He said Fuego, but I do I kind of understand it. Do you think it makes him less of a Texan? Oh no, not less of a Texan. Since signing less with the of, Raiders last October, Daniel Carlson is tied for the best field goal percentage in the NFL at ninety four point seven percent. That from Josh Dubow. He then quote tweeted his own tweet. Power move. Since cutting Daniel Carlson last September, the Vikings are last in the NFL with 73.3% field goal accuracy. Auburn fans would call that karma. Yeah, I mean, I get it why Zimmer had to do that because he missed a bunch of field goals and ultimately the game winner as well. Didn't he go like 0 for 4 in that game and they lost by 3? I think he missed missed at least (laughs) 3. It was bad. It was bad. So, like, you're not surprised they cut a professional kicker 
But then he made a point to go out there and embarrass the guy at his press conference. So I was, you know, you, you, I don't think it was unreasonable for them to cut him after that performance. I'm a little surprised he got another chance that quickly. Well, it seemed to work out. It's like one of the few things the Raiders have gotten right. That's true. That's true. They look better than I thought they would be this year. The bar was low, but That's you're right. I mean, true. you're not wrong either. They win four games. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> they four, won a quarter of four, their games. Four more games than I expected. <laughs> right. <sighs> it's going to be interesting to see if Auburn does win this, how Texas A&M responds. Having two losses, I think it's, gonna, I think it's a chance that just the wheels fall off because like, they're going to lose to LSU. I think they they're going to lose to Alabama. I hope they're just packing in. And part of me hopes they go like three and nine, and then we we get uh, Jimbo going to get fired. Watch. Yeah, there's no way he gets canned, right? This is year two of a ten year, hundred million dollar contract. I can't imagine it, but it also would not surprise me if the Boosters and A and M were like, "Oh, that didn't work." I think they have a you know. I, I know that we're being facetious, and none of us really expect him. You know, I, th- I think he'll be there for a while. Although I don't know about ten years. Get, if you can, stay, long if you can time. stay in a place ten years anymore, you're doing a great job in in coaching. But some fan bases, and Auburn's not excluded from this, really need to evaluate how desirable it is to come to their program. Mm-hmm. And you can quarrel with Gus Malzahn. There are a lot of things to be frustrated with, and then there are a lot of things to appreciate. But I would be fascinated to hear, you know, if Auburn fans lose this A&M game, you'll be doing after the game live from Skybar, Michael. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is going to come up. After one loss, there will be conversations about firing Gus and who the next coach will be. And it's like, I just will look at Tennessee and be careful what you wish for. Yeah, Michael, just, just, just wait until you, uh, you do your first after the game after a loss. It is crazy. It is a wild time. Uh, maybe next year. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's something else I was going to say. I wish oh. you guys could have seen all of our faces after that. <laughs> I, have a, I have a quote of the day. Okay. Can I get something real quick? Yeah, 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 yeah. Tulane coming from behind oh, wow. to beat uh, Houston last night. Auburn strength of schedule getting a little bit better. Oh, yeah. Hey man, we came on. We were we've been telling people the last two weeks that Tulane team was good. Tulane's not a bad football team. They're a good team. I mean, they were down twenty eight to seven last night. And climbed all the way back, and then they ran a fake kneel down. Greatest thing I've ever seen. Uh, the guy only got like fifteen yards, but it was still super exciting. And right. then just little douchey, but one of the worst displays of tackling. I have ever seen from Houston. Right. Yeah, he just like walked between three guys. Yeah. That was weird. It was a good game. What do y'all think uh, about... Wait, hold on. We got to rewind here. So you weren't a fan of the fake kneel down? So I think was it Sean McVay that pointed this out? Or did I say Sean McAvoy? McAvoy, yeah. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Malik Willis is uh, a quarterback trainer. my apologies. Not the LA Rams head coach. (laughs) But... Both had the same name. First name, though. Um... He pointed. I don't think. I think it was him. I need to. It, it was. I he, saw it. He this morning. didn't like the kneel down. Do you agree with that sentiment that it's a little bit? Uh, a little I bit think when you line up in that formation, it's a uh, hey to the other team. We're we're Waving killing the, the white clock flag. here. Yeah, we are we are killing the clock. And I mean, I I get why you do it, but I'm not a fan of it. I cannot believe that. <laughs> that was amazing. That was it's I mean, so it was cool. You guys just explained why it was so smart. 
that you're coming out, the defense relaxes, and then you're just like, hike. It's the old hide the midget play. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. <laughs> like, I I would hate it if it happened to the team I care about. But you know, it is a little bit. It sort of seems like you're waving the white flag, and then mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. It's a little bit cheap in a way. It's but cheeky. Yeah, cheeky. I don't. I don't hate it. What got to be? I mean, how often do you see the defensive lineman like dive at the offensive lineman's legs when they're kneeling the ball? You don't because it's sending a message of, hey. Well, the Seahawks the defensive line tried to fight the Patriots defensive line in that Super Bowl Who at the end of the game. Michael Bennett. Who won that Super Bowl? Painter. The, the, the team that was <laughs> kneeling down, the Patriots. But, I mean, you see that. So, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. I thought it was awesome. What's your quote of the day? Uh, the Miami, Ohio coach Chuck Martin on facing Ohio State. Quote, it's kind of like going to recess and they have the first 85 picks. End quote. I got so Damn. flustered trying to make sure that I wasn't talking about the L.A. Rams coach. I was like, oh, uh, why do you think the why do you think you got nervous about that? I don't know. Just need to probably know that Sean McVay and Sean McAvoy are not the same people, uh-huh. and he's a friend of the show, so I should get that right. I think they both listen. <laughs> yeah, so it's Charles Barkley, <laughs> right? I always think about I was I don't know why but the like last couple of days I've had my mind on Auburn basketball quite a bit and I was thinking about just how sad it was to watch that video of Charles kind of given the the arms wide standing there watching his team win the final four matchup and heading to the national championship and then like all of us slowly bringing his arms down because he realized that it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, but basketball's coming up soon, which is fun. I have Charles Barkley's number. I don't know how I got it. It's in my phone. I don't know how I have it. Sweet Charles. But I really want to text him to, to be on the show before um, before basketball starts, and I'm I'm really nervous to do it. Can I have it? Because he's going to be like, Can I have your number? Where did uh, Where did you get my number at? And I'm like, Dude, I really don't know, but it's in here. So Painter, that. thanks for bringing up that Final Four game, man. I wanted my day ruined. I'm still not over it. Yeah. There's, there, there's two games where I'm just not really quite over yet, and that is one of them. Is another one the loss to the Eagles? No. <laughs> I guess no. I'm just really ruining everyone's day. My bad. Was it one of the two to Eli Manning? It was the first one where the dude caught it with his helmet. David yeah. Tyree. I love that SNL skit where Justin Timberlake sticks a piece of gum on his helmet. He's like, this guy doesn't play. <laughs> It's such a like even as someone who has no like I don't hate the Patriots the way most people do. I didn't hate the Warriors, but like I certainly don't have a rooting interest for them, but I do enjoy watching really good teams play. And even still for the Patriots, I'm just like, how on earth? I don't feel bad for them. You guys have won six of nine Super Bowls. It's been a good twenty years for Red Sox, Celtics. No, Celtics not quite as much, but they've had some moments. And certainly the Patriots. But I mean to lose that to lose that way with him, I don't know how he caught that. And Eli Manning certainly looked like he was going to get sacked. I don't know how he didn't. And then he randomly did it again a few years later with just an. I'm not getting sacked, but like two plays before that, Asante Samuel just drops the pick. I just don't understand how he didn't catch that. (laughs) Where can people find you and hear you, Michael? Uh, follow me on Twitter at CouchPotato. You can listen to me on After the Game, live from Skybar, every Saturday for two hours following each Auburn football game. Painter, 
Since I've ruined everyone's day, I'm Matt Payne Sharpless, 11-1 on the lunch break with Justin Ferguson. It's a Friday. Michael Pappas is joining me on the lunch break, so depending on when you're listening to this, uh, you know, lunch break's probably already happened, but have a great weekend. (laughs) Follow me on Twitter at ZBlackerby. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnAuburn. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.